0: Back again for another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. Your humble co-host, Steve Cypress, here, along with the one and only Everett Barnell. This is going to be a huge episode ever.
1: It's amazing. The the best episode ever. People are going to be blown away, believe me. Just believe me. Trust me. You're going to be blown away by this episode.
0: Believe me, it's true. (laughs) It's going to be a great episode. It's true. Terrific, terrific episode. Okay, so here, what we want to talk about this time is an important lesson for all business owners. I constantly have to reteach it to myself. This whole concept of delegating, De- for in for the first place. Delegating at all, and in the second place, delegating properly, because so many people, I've done it over and over, you start a business, and you're pretty much just you, or you're, you know, sometimes, oh, your wife, or, you know, your, your kids, or something, you know, you're just kind of getting started, and it's real tough thing, I've experienced talking to so many business owners, they have a real tough time giving up any control over anything, and delegating anything. And you see Donald Trump. I mean, not to mention the projects that he does in his business and the multiple brands and companies he represents. But this whole running for presidential campaign—come on now, what a—it would be just impossible to do if he wasn't able to delegate. Which brings to mind the mind the famous saying of Ronald Reagan, whose famous quote of "trust but verify." So we're talking about delegating, but not just delegating and then like, you know, just guessing whether it ever gets done and not thinking about it. We're talking about overseeing the delegation. Donald Trump is known to be a micromanaging detail, paying attention to every detail guy, and yet he knows better than to try and do everything himself. Right, Everett?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the amazing thing, what what really brought this up was a, uh, uh, was a news piece I heard where, you um, trump apparently was trying to court Kasich to become the vice president and, and and if you know anything about politics the vice president position is basically a talkie it's it, you don't do anything right you kiss babies and do grocery store openings and stuff it's well i don't not- know
0: i mean that depends i mean i remember when uh this george bush got brought in uh, cheney and it was like because cheney was the old mentor like kind of guiding him along and very similar with obama who was clueless about just about everything, and he brought in Biden, who is the old dog, I know everyone in the House and the Senate, I have relationships where Obama had and still has none, it, right. sometimes you can bring in that guide. I think that's part of, Trump made it pretty clear, that's what he was looking for, somebody who is well, is established politician so they know the game.
1: Exactly. What what he what he specifically, what insiders said that he specifically told Kasich was that he would be the pa- most powerful vice president ever. And presumably, he, he made the same p- pitch to Pence, who, yeah, who which accepted- is
0: like and you're right. That's very smart because what he's saying is I'm going to give you a lot of responsibility.
1: Right, exactly. I'm going to give you a lot of responsibility. You're going to be able to run with it. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, Trump is going to be out doing what Trump does, and that's public relations and marketing and negotiating and, and putting deals together, while the day-to-day uh, management of that kind of stuff would be hand- is going to be handled by his vice president, I would guess. Uh, now, that doesn't mean he's not going to know what's going on, right? Just like you said, he's, a notorious, uh, he's, he's notorious for watching everything. You know, watching every uh, uh, every small detail, but he's not going to be in there doing every small detail because he couldn't. He could. It, 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 I'm I'm excited. You know, and I I mean, look, I I'm uh, is uh, I know we're not supposed to talk politics, so forgive me, uh, uh, forgive me, Steve. But uh, I, I you know I, I just don't want to see Hillary again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, he here, one of the so most uh, appealing okay. things to me about Trump as a president is that fact that he's a notorious penny-pinching cheapskate, and he is a stickler for this detail when things aren't done right. At least that's been the experience of him through his building, his construction, right. his, his development business, is he's well-known to, like, go visit a property and see, like, one tile out of place and say, rip up the whole thing and redo it. And right. he's known to, like, look up in the ceiling where no one looks and see something and, you know, that's what he does. I'm hoping that he gets some kind of report about the VA or – you know food stamps funds or something or whatever every department of the government's got to be just bloated with ridiculousness and then he looks through there and says get rid of this get rid of this get rid of that
1: however I agree with you it's not
0: like he's then going to be the one to actually be ordering new equipment and and firing people and hiring new ones and doing
1: whatever he's got to do but he he will be watching very closely I'm sure the metrics to make sure that everything gets everything gets done what he has uh, uh, the tasks that he has set forth uh, get done. Right, and so that's how really... does a
0: business owner do this? A small business owner, you know, kind of started, let's say, you know, he was a plumber for Joe's Plumbing for 15 years, and then he realized, Joe's a shemoke, I don't want to work for this guy anymore, I can do it better myself, and he has his truck and his tools, and he puts his known name on it, and he says, I'm going, and then after a year or two, he, you know, starts to get some decent jobs, and his, his reputation grows, and he hires some more crews, and he really needs to start delegating some stuff and stopping thinking he's going to be doing doing all the sales, all the scheduling, all all the hiring, all the overseeing, all the everything going out on every job to check and make sure it's right. How does a a controlling, I-want-to-do-everything-myself business owner make this move to cut it out and start delegating?
1: Well, you've got to decide whether you want to do everything yourself and make a decent living or whether, or, or maybe not a decent living, I, I don't know, some business owners aren't, aren't doing too well, or whether you want to start well, delegating Well, According to
0: the government, thing. the average small business owner makes 43000 a year, which you
1: know, well, is an you average.
0: Go. That includes all the startups where we happily just break even or lose a little money in the beginning and then all the ones that are very successful. But I have a feeling, and I've helped and consulted with and met tens of thousands of business owners over the past about four decades, I agree with you, a lot of them are basically making no money. And yet, if they're just paying their bills, they're very happy to at least not have to work for anybody
1: else and so they're OK with it. Right. And, and look, if that's if that's what you are, if you're really just a self-employed guy who who is never going to do more than, you know, pay your bills and maybe have a little bit of savings and you're just happy that you don't have to answer to that schmuck plumber that you used to work for, then more power to you. Right. But if you really want to build a business that can make you rich and I'm not talking about, you know, Home Depot or billionaire rich, I, I'm, I'm talking about, a uh, you know, a nice plumbing contracting business since you use plumbing contracting as an example where you're you know you're knocking down three or four or five million a year and you have some real uh, you have some real margin there you're never going to be able to do all that yourself you have to be able to start uh, delegating and the way that you start delegating is that you start doing it you hire somebody to do a job and then you teach them that job and then you let them do the job and you uh, and you make sure they do it right and the making sure they do it right part is the most important part. So uh, as you know, I used to have 25 employees working for me at any given point, between 20 and 25 employees. Now, I handled mostly the office staff, but still, you know, we had 25, I I was still the the head guy for between 20 and 25 employees. I would show up on job sites where they didn't expect me to show up. And I was real big with the office staff of all the phone calls in and out were recorded. And I would just randomly go back and pick five or 10 phone calls a week and listen to them and uh, listen to what they said. and, and, if I found somebody was saying something or doing something that caused me some concern, I'd go through and listen to some of their some more of their phone calls to find out exactly what was going on. But uh, but you can't just you know throw your hands up and say uh, go do it and then not follow up and make sure that they're doing it. So the you know you got to find somebody who's capable. You got to train them properly. You've got to follow up and make sure that they do the work the right way. And then you got to retrain them because it, you know I, I mean they're they're going to forget how to tie their shoes from Friday night till Monday morning.
0: Well, and add to that from my experience that, that I think will help is that the time that you spend on the retraining and the overseeing uh, diminishes with time. In the beginning, you want to, you know, the old trust but verify. You want to trust them to do the work, but you want to check in with them and kind of really keep a close eye until they're up and running for every employee and for every task. It's going to take a different length of time, but once you can start to trust that, okay, they got the hang of this now. I don't have to keep beating them up every. Every minute I can check in on them every couple of days now or every few days and once a week and then once every two weeks and eventually you get to the point where you're going to be real successful when you have people that are doing stuff, which, you know, in Trump's case, it, you see it, it's not, it's never, I don't think and it's for Trump, it's ever going to be totally, but he has his kids and mm-hmm. he trusts his kids to be doing stuff, but you know he's still overseeing them. He is still, I mean, he just recently did it. We spoke about it a few weeks ago on one episode where he flew over to Scotland in the midst of a presidential campaign for crying out loud just to go check out the work that his son Eric had done renovating a golf course in Scotland before they did their re-grand opening Donald Trump just had to go inspect the work, and his conclusion was everything was fine. My son did a great job, which begs the question, like, why the heck did you even have to go? But you can see, you may never be done verifying. However, I I would say that Eric Trump, in the 20 or however many years he's been working for his father and overseeing tasks, over the years, Donald Trump has had less and less overseeing over Eric to now. This project might have been multiple years in the making, and Trump only went over when it was absolutely done to inspect the day before the grand opening. So you never want to stop overseeing things, but you do want to, you will get to a point where you can stop micromanaging. I found that the reason I say that I found so many people don't hire people because they say it's more trouble to train someone than it is to just do the darn thing myself the point no, is, yeah that, it might be in the beginning but eventually it's going to be much better for
1: you and and look there there is a uh, no judgment call if that's where you're at and you don't want to train somebody just just be prepared that you're never going to get bigger than you are you know because you're you're never going to be able to leverage and uh, uh you know to leverage your business so you're just going to be a service provider whatever that service might be or a shopkeeper or a whatever forever and if they, if you're happy with that fine i personally like to work in endeavors that i can leverage so that that's kind of where i'm coming from i want to leverage whatever i'm doing well, so that i can make more money with less this time is
0: lessons learned from donald trump podcast because that's who you're learning lessons from
1: yeah uh, you would think a, a developer right
0: developer of of multiple projects and brands and and now running for president is clearly a leveraging person it's clearly someone who's not yeah, thinking
1: exactly so much. exactly so very yeah, good i
0: think so very that's good. our hope oh you have any last bit of advice
1: no, I think that uh, covers it.
0: Yeah, that's our hope for everybody, folks. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're thinking small, it's fine. I mean, we're not going to stop you from it. You're still going to get benefit out of it. But hopefully you are looking to learn true lessons from Donald Trump, someone who went from, you know, coming out of college to work in his dad's little real estate business in Queens, New York, who was told never go into Manhattan, you know, eventually went all over the world and into all other kinds of endeavors and is now, you know, has a chance to become the president of the United States. That is thinking. And- acting big and that can only be done if you're going to not release your grip over having to do everything yourself because you think that you can't you know it's no it's trouble to train people or you can do it better yourself and cut all that out and start to think how can I stop start to make what's called a not to-do list start putting more stuff on your not to-do list and find other people to do stuff that they can do so you're left with only the stuff that only you can do alright let's leave it at that we will thank you for listening and we'll be back with another. I mean, the next podcast episode, Everett. I mean, it's just going to be terrific. It's going to be
1: incredibly huge. I, I'll tell you what. The folks who don't get there to listen to it first are going to be bemoaning the fact that their competition got a jump on them, even if it's a two or three day jump. They're going to be. It's going, they're going to be crushed. It's bemoaning. Be I
0: don't even think that's a, that's way too many syllables for a word that Donald Trump would even ever use. He would just say sad. He <laughs> was just so sad. So sad.
1: <laughs> you're right. You're if right. If you're
0: not listening, if you're not one of the first people to listen to this every week and take action and put it into place. I
1: mean, so sad. it be
0: so sad. So sad. Because if you listen, it'll be fantastic. Okay, enough for now. We'll see you back here, same time, same place, next week. Thanks for listening. See you then. Cheers. You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the Internet today. If you want to be a winner, like Trump, make sure you go listen to the rest of the episodes by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com. And join us next time. Unless you like being a loser, some people do, I guess.